Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Be with you. So I'm Michael and I feel like I'm booming. Um, I'm lead pastor at Salt. Welcome. If you're new with us, great to have you with us tonight. Um, I want to tell you about a party I went to yesterday, which was absolutely fantastic, Um, but it didn't start fantastic. Um, So I got to um, where I thought the party was, um, and I got out of the car, and I noticed that there there were other people getting out of their cars, and uh, I walked up with a guy towards what I thought was the house where the party was. I knew he was going to the same party because... On the invite, it said, wear a beanie, a flannel, and boots. This is the theme of the party. Uh, and, and there was all these people with beanies, flannels, and boots. Uh, anyway, we, we got to the house, and we're walking up, and it feels quite quiet, and we're walking up the driveway, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be in the backyard. And we get to the backyard, and the backyard is completely empty. Uh, and then a lady comes out. I'm like, this is going to get awkward, right? Um... But anyway, it was all good. She said, no, I know who your friend is, um, two doors up. So we go up two doors. Um, <laughs> it was the wrong house completely. And um, we get to there and then there's the party. Get to the backyard and there's all the people there and it's, it's just a great time. It's, um, there's a fire going, there's some great food on offer, great drink on offer. Um, it's the kind of party where there's, there's lots of people there and it's Great if you like lots of people, but then there were little groups of people hanging out with each other, if, if you prefer smaller groups. And there was a mix of, I made some new friends, and there was some old friends. There was friends there that I'd known for 20 years. And there was conversation that was like exciting, and wow, I can't believe that, that's great. And then there was conversation that, wow, that is tough, that is difficult. I can't believe, wow, you shared that. That's amazing. Uh, And it reminded me of a few things. It reminded me of, wow, God has so made us for relationships and community, for gathering. Uh, It reminded me of that. It reminded me of of, uh, Jesus who took gatherings and parties seriously. We kind of don't think of parties as good things sometimes, do we? Because it's, it's often broken and fallen and sinful, and yet there's a great party to come in heaven uh, where every tribe and nation will gather. Uh, so we should be thinking positively about gatherings and parties. Um, and it reminded me that we're not made to do life alone. Uh, we should be journeying with other people. God made us for community. But also reminded me something about myself. I love people and I love community. Um, I love having people over to our place. I love visiting people in their homes um, we had a lovely time at lunch today. We had a, a few families over from 10am church. Um, but here's the thing. I would love to have everyone at Salt Church over to our place every single week and Natalie would kill me. <laughs> and since that's the case, since that's not a great outcome, I won't do that. But it's the nature of our church family too, isn't it? We're, we're bigger than that. But tonight we're going to talk about the way God sees community uh, and not just any community but the community that we've got here at Salt, uh, the community that Jesus has created with him at the centre, uh, the, the community that is church. Unique, precious, beautiful 
Uh, Jesus at the centre. And here's, the question, here's a question for you. What sort of church community would you like to see for SALT moving forward? Uh, think 10 years' time, think uh, in the year 2033, what would you like to see SALT become in terms of a community? Uh, now, here's a, here's a photo of some of our staff, some of our, our pastors at, at SALT down at Gerringong. It's one of those photos. We're at Staff Summit and we had to make it look like we were working while we got this photo taken. So that's the kind of photo you get. Um, but we did this exercise. We did it for five years. What would we like to see church look like in five years' time in a whole lot of areas? And one of them is community. Uh, what would we need to pray for? What would we need to put our energies and effort into if we were under, under God to see that happen in five years' time? But here's another question for you. Here's the, what, where we're going to be challenged tonight. Are we really willing to be the sort of community God wants us to be at SALT? Are we willing to be the sort of community that God wants for us here at SALT? So we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, turn there with me now, chapter 14 and 15. Um, have it open in front of you. Uh, just to give context, if you're not familiar, we're in, the, we're in the depths of the Old Testament. This might not be familiar with you um, if, you're, if you're new to Christian things. Uh, it's 1,500 years before the time of Jesus, to put it on a timeline. Uh, who's speaking? Most of the time throughout Deuteronomy, it's Moses giving speeches to God's people called the nation of Israel. They're just poised, uh, ready to enter the promised land that God has been promising to them he saved them for, and in this part of the Bible, chapters 14 and 15, what is God saying? He's saying, here's the sort of community I want you to be as you enter that land. Okay, you got it? And, and what kind of community is that? I want to say it's three things tonight, and follow it with me. The first one is a community that gives, a community that gives. Look at it, uh, verse 22, chapter 14, uh, it kicks right into it. Be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. Uh, so there's God's people uh, to set aside one-tenth of all they produced, all their income, all that their um, farm produced. Um, Kelsey mentioned this before, that it's a tithe, it just means 10% of your earnings. Uh, go up to the place where I set, uh, that became Jerusalem, and there worship God together, enjoy Him, give thanks to, to Him, uh, do it with your family, make it a festival, make it a feast and bring all your produce and enjoy that time together. And what's the purpose of the tithe, the 10%? Verse 23 tells us, look at it with me, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always so that you might learn to fear Him, to acknowledge Him, to give thanks to Him, to celebrate Him, enjoy Him. It's all about God. Okay, get the picture? So set aside uh, 10%. And what is it about 10%? I reckon 10% is, is that noticeable amount, isn't it? Uh, you really need to plan for this. Uh, this is a significant uh, chunk of your produce and your income. And what does that say to the Israelite? This is really important. Uh, I want you to take this seriously. In fact, if you're not near Jerusalem and you, you can't bring all that stock and all that produce 
um, you need to bring cash that you can buy it closer to and look at what it says in verse uh, 26. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine or other fermented drink or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God. And what are you to do? You are to rejoice. Um, So it really helped their celebrations. There they are rejoicing in God, enjoying his goodness. And can you see that it was never meant to be a begrudging gift? It was never meant to be, oh, we've got to do this. We've got to give this. It was always meant to be a joyful thing. And notice too that no one was to be excluded. Uh, So there's two groups of people that you could leave out, but don't leave them out. Uh, The Levites, uh, they were the ones set aside for God's work. Uh, Look at verse 27. So do not neglect the Levites living in your own towns, for they have no uh, land allotted to them or any inheritance of their own. So they're going to find it difficult to bring the produce. Uh, They're the ones who look after the temple, uh, serve the Lord and serve God's people in that way. Uh, Make sure you help them celebrate with you and be generous towards them. But also the poor, look at verse 29, so that the Levites who have no inheritance of their own and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Can you see, you get the idea? So there's the tithe, uh, make it a joyful celebration, worship God, include everyone the Levites, the poor, and you look at that picnic, can you picture that, that, that community there? What a beautiful community of joy, of celebration, of gathering. Now just let me pause there for a moment. Isn't it interesting that here we are, 1,500 years before Jesus, well before God changes hearts uh, by His Spirit, and giving is meant to be deeply joyful. Uh, There is God saying, here is the heart of the matter, here is the celebration that you are to have. Uh, Enjoy one another, enjoy this celebration, enjoy God. Um, That's at the heart of it. And so, whatever you think of giving 10% today, and and Christians do vary on this, it's interesting as you go through the New Testament, uh, the New Testament doesn't talk much about 10%, 10%, giving 10% or tithing. Uh, Jesus mentions it and he mentions it in the negative. He says, you Pharisees, you religious leaders, you are sticklers for the 10%, but in your heart you are really, really stingy. And that's what can happen when you follow, follow it like that. But what is it, about, uh, what is it about God that transforms the way we give? It's that God is, has never been a stingy taskmaster. He's always been extraordinarily generous. He was extraordinarily generous to the people of Israel and he's been extraordinarily generous to us in Jesus. Um, He's the God who loves to bless his people. He's the God who loves to uh, see us enjoy the good things he's given us. He loves to gather his people and he loves his people to rejoice in him and be generous with one another. And he also is the God who loves the poor, loves the widows, loves the orphans, loves the vulnerable. And what is it about giving that makes you revere the Lord 
God always? Because that's the purpose. What is it about giving? Well, I reckon it's that you get God. You get that God is generous and that God wants us to be generous like Him. And if you don't get generosity, you haven't got God. And so he says, do this so that you will learn to revere God. You learn to live like Him. See, you'll never get God if you never get generosity. Well, let me put it in the the other way. If you're not generous, you cannot please God. Uh, You're kidding yourself if you think you can be generous uh, and it not affect how you use your money. Uh, We're kidding ourselves if we think we can be like God and not generous. Uh, If you think you can be like Jesus and not be generous, you're kidding yourself. But can can I confess three things to you tonight? First one is, I need help in being more generous. And that's probably an obvious statement. Uh, but I feel like I'm I've, I've constantly on this journey of God chipping away at me to say, how can I be more generous with the things that God's given me? Uh, I actually found the, the new home, the whole new home campaign really, really challenging and really, really helpful for me getting serious about being generous. But the second thing to confess is that I sometimes feel really embarrassed that I'm a pastor and I see so many other Christians more generous than me. Uh, That's how I feel. And let me give you a third confession. Um, When I saw this passage coming up in Deuteronomy, and I thought, oh, this is talking about generosity and tithing and giving again. We've just done the new home campaign. I need to speak to Salt Church again about giving. (laughs) And I'm like, how can we do that? Uh, and, I th- and then I realised, no, no, what an idiot I am. What is God doing? God is always talking to us about generosity because that's the God He is. It- it's the very nature of the Gospel, isn't it? That right at the heart of the Gospel of who we are, we are a saved people, we are a product of God's generosity. And so I reckon it would be pretty bad if over the next 10 years, every Sunday I talk to you about giving to the new home. But if over the next 10 years... I'm- if I do that, you, can, you have permission to sack me. <laughs> but if over the next 10 years, every Sunday, I spoke to you about generosity, that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Because we'd be talking about God, the nature of who He is, and who He's called us to be. Now, we, it's not going to happen, isn't it? But it just comes up in the Bible so many times, because it's, it's right at the heart of the Gospel. Now, this is 1,500 years before Jesus... But God still wants us to be a giving, generous community. Have a look with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered at the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. See what Paul does? He says, just like the Levites were set aside for the work of the temple... Um, provide for the people whose work it is to preach the gospel. Uh, It's the same principle. Uh, It's why um, 
it's what we're doing here at Salt, isn't it? We're actually putting aside money so that we can pay for staff, for pastors and gospel workers uh, whose living comes from preaching the gospel. Uh, that's a right and good thing. It's, it's right that we take that seriously and that we're generous in that. But not even just here at Salt, but also as we give to the work of the gospel overseas. Um, so think of Karina in, in France. Uh, she's trained for gospel ministry She's given up her work and she said, I want to be in France and I want to see more people come to know Jesus. And so we need to support her as a gospel worker there. But here's one problem we face. Uh, Listen to the words of, of Jesus here. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Do you see that the problem? There's such a big work to be done. There is such a huge harvest. Uh, there are not enough workers for the gospel to go out to everyone. And so what, is, what does Jesus say here? One thing we, we can do is ask God to raise up leaders, to raise up gospel workers. So one thing we can be doing is praying. Always be praying that God would raise up more workers. Uh, what else can we be doing? We can be giving to the work of, of the gospel, um, so whether, again, whether that's here at Salt or whether it's uh, people giving, uh, proclaiming the gospel overseas. Uh, but there's actually a limit to that, isn't it? There's a limit to how many people we can financially support. And even the Bible talks about, actually, we're all engaged in this work, whether we're paid for it or not. And actually, what are you after with your leaders? You want your leaders to uh, equip and train a whole group of people a whole church to be involved in gospel ministry. So pray, give, but thirdly, volunteer. Uh, give of yourself uh, to the work of the gospel in the, in the shape and form that God is able to play, you know, put, put, put you in, in the way that he's gifted you. Now we talked a bit about this uh, at Grow uh, last time, and you notice on the back of your Connect cards, which I've just lost mine, there it is, um, there's a there's a thing that says, I'd like to chat about how I could serve at church. If you think to yourself, I'd love to serve at church more, I'd love to know what that looks like, I don't even know how clear, I don't clearly know how God has wired me or gifted me, I don't know where the opportunities are, someone would love to have a chat with you. So make sure you tick that, let us know and we'll be in touch with you uh, as you give yourself uh, here at Salt. There is, there's the first one, a community that gives. What's the second one? It's a community of compassion. It's a community that gives, but also a community of compassion. So come with me, chapter 15, verse 1. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. Or verse 3, you may require payment from a foreigner but you must cancel any debt your fellow Israelite owes you. Or verse 4, however, there need be no poor people among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly bless you. Now, did you get that? Um, Every seven years, cancel debts. Can you imagine... Does that sound good? Who's, who's up for that? Who, who wants to sign up for that? So imagine you take out a mortgage, uh, the, the maximum term is seven years, okay? Um, your fee help is cancelled, 
completely, zero. Uh, Your car loan, gone. And it's not just a seven-year term for you, it's as a whole community, as a whole nation, year zero starts with everyone at the same time and year seven, uh, seventh year is the same time. You understand that? So the seventh year of our nation, all debts are cancelled, all bets are off, no one owes anyone anything. But what do you reckon would happen in that community? <laughs> what do you reckon would happen when you got to the sixth year how many people do you think would want to uh, lend you money? And how many of you are thinking, I would love to take out a car loan at the end of the sixth year? Or how good would it be if you finished uni at the end of the fifth or sixth year and you only carry the fee help thing for a year? Well, God knows what you're thinking. Look at verse 7 and he says, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted. Uh, or down in verse 8, chapter 15, rather be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Verse 9, be careful not to harbour this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for cancelling debts is near, so that you do not show ill will towards the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. Then they may appeal to the Lord against you and they will, they will find you guilty of sin but verse 10 give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart it was also the seventh year was also the year to release your slaves Um, so there's there's a big topic of itself I can't go into the details but who were the slaves uh, at that time they were people who had debts and they were paying them off by working in a household Uh, So it doesn't necessarily mean they were poorly treated. Um, Some of them were very well treated. And some of them even said, I want to keep working for you, obviously for payment, after my debt has been cancelled. But after the seventh year, you've got to to let those guys go free. End of chapter 15 says you can keep them on, but make sure you're generous to them as you let them go or as you keep them uh, as your workers. Now, what do you reckon that would do for a society that would really free some people up financially, wouldn't it? Uh, you think about our culture, um, and our financial culture and our uh, economics. Uh, so often it's the case, isn't it, that the rich seem to get richer, the poor get poorer. Uh, even intergenerationally, um, some people are caught in a poverty cycle that they hand over to their children, who hand over to their children... But God's saying, not in my people. I will not have it. Let's break that up um, every seventh year. This is going to make a difference to the community. And I reckon it would make a massive difference, except as you go through the Bible, um, you can't find examples where this law has been applied. And so obviously Israel go off the rails in a whole lot of ways and and take advantage of each other financially. Um, but it would have been awesome if they could, they could have done this, but it looks like they haven't done it. How does it apply to us as we think about it in Jesus? Again, the New Testament doesn't talk much about uh, this flowing on to us as, as Jesus' community. But it's not rocket science, is it? To work out, don't take advantage of your brother or sister because you are wealthier and they are poor. 
um, you could really be harmful to them, you could really wield power because of your money. It's not wrong to uh, loan money, it's not wrong to borrow money, but love your brother or sister as you do that. Be compassionate to them, help them get out of debt and out of poverty rather than pushing them further into poverty and further into debt. So be wise with that, I think is a, is a fair way to think about it. But think about it with me more broadly. What does it mean to have compassion on the vulnerable uh, in our community? Well, Jesus picks it up in Matthew 25. Have a look at these words. He pictures someone on the judgment day facing him. And to some, Jesus says this, Depart from me, uh, you who are cursed into the eternal fire. Now, why? Because I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me something to drink. And it goes on and they say, Lord, when? When did we see you hungry or thirsty? And Jesus replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, my people, you did not do for me. Can you see what Jesus is saying? Uh, The way you treated the the poorest brother or sister in Christ, he's talking about his community, he's talking about the church, the way you treated the weak, the vulnerable, is actually a reflection of the way you treat me, Jesus. Uh, If you love Jesus and you're part of his community, it will be reflected in the poorest, the weakest, the the most vulnerable people within his community. It's like Jesus is saying... Uh, By caring for the poor in your community, in your church, in the wider church community, you're actually showing that you're part of my community, you belong to me, you're one of mine. Now, there's lots of motivation for us to think about that, isn't it, from Jesus? Uh, 2 Corinthians 8 is helpful, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that so, so that through his poverty might be, uh, we might become rich. It is really odd if we don't get this, because there is Jesus, our Lord, our King, our, our Saviour, our example, incredibly wealthy and rich, and yet stoops down to help us, the poor. It's the case for all of us, isn't it? We've all, we're all poor in sin, uh, we're all... We were all not the children of God and and God welcomed us in. He lavishly loved us and so follow his example as you treat the poor, the vulnerable, uh, be like Jesus. And 2 Corinthians chapter 9 actually helps us too as we we think about the way we use our resources. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 Uh, Let me read it out for you. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. It it really just completely transforms the way we think about our resources, our money. I reckon it even transforms the way you think about paid employment. Now, why do you get paid for your job? Part of it is you've done the job, you're deserving of the pay, you need the pay to pay your bills, what you owe. But have a listen to Ephesians chapter 4, it it goes beyond that. It's to increase your capacity to be generous. Ephesians 4.28 says this, Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, 
but must work now that you've come to Christ. You must do something useful with your own hands uh, that you may have something to share with those in need. See, partly, what's the reason you're given income? It's so that you might have something to share with brothers and sisters who are in need. How does that look at at salt? Uh, Well, here's here's some ways I reckon it looks at salt. Um, First way I reckon it looks is when you see someone in need... Uh, we need to help them out. Uh, you don't need to wait for a ministry to start, you need, don't need to be part of a team. Uh, it should be the case that we see someone in need and go, well, you are in a vulnerable situation, You're in a, um, you need resource, you need money, you need help, I'm going to help you. Uh, I'm going to make this happen, I'm, I'm going to move it from theory to practice uh, and that's what I'm going to do. So I reckon that's the first, it's kind of organically, that's the way we're going to think about our community. Second way it might happen is within our small groups. Uh, so small group is where we share life with one another, isn't it? Where we're reading the Bible together, we're praying together, we spend time together each week. And there's a place where you'll work out, oh, I could really help this person. Uh, or I need to ask for help. Um, this person is doing it tough and we could help them as our small group. Um, Whatever shape or form it looks like, in that group it's going to be really powerful, isn't it? As you get to know one another, help one another practically. Uh, It's why we're really keen on everyone being part of a small group. Uh, Come along to the beginning, get yourself into a small group um, so you might be cared for but also you might offer care to others. But I reckon thirdly, there's another option, and that is, have you noticed God has gifted some people particularly to care for others? And some, God has gifted some people to even help all of us rally to help others. Uh, and so, uh, if you think that's you, that's an incredibly great gift to have at SALT. Uh, to be part of a care team, where you're not doing all the care, but you're actually helping all of us or a group of us help someone who's in need. Um, so there would be another way uh, to think about care at salt. But here's, here's another one. The f- fourth way, I reckon, is to think beyond salt. We've got to think about our community here at salt at 5pm. But think beyond salt. Think about your brothers and sisters who are in need, who are not in Wollongong, who are not even in our nation, but are in parts of the world in really vulnerable situations and really poor situations and think about how might I be able to use the wealth I've been given to help my brothers and sisters in that part of the world. So um, a lot of Christians, uh, Nat and I have had the joy of this, of um, working with compassion and sponsoring a child. Um, there's, there's the whole lot of organisations that reach out to the poorest, most vulnerable uh, ministries and Christian brothers and sisters around the world. It also happens in our own city too, doesn't it? There's places like the Homeless Hub who you go, they are just set up to do this work of helping the most vulnerable in our community. I want to be part of that and so I want to give to it. Now, what's the last one? Um, giving, compassionate community, but thirdly, a joyful community, a community that gathers and rejoices. So have a look with me now in chapter 16. Do you notice, uh, if you flick through there, and you'll notice there's lots of festivals, 
if you've got headings in your Bible. Um, so the nation of Israel, they're going to be spread across a large landmass, and God calls them to come together at certain times of the year to have these festivals. And when you think of the word festival, what do you think of? It's not boring, is it? Festival says celebrate, rejoice, those kind of things. And that's what uh, chapter six, uh, 16 is all about. So verse 10, celebrate it, rejoice. Uh, again, verse 13, celebrate. 14, be joyful. 15, celebrate. Um, and look down in verse 14. Uh, there's a lot of celebration going on. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and your daughters, your male and female servants and the Levites, the the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns. Make sure you include everyone. Uh, No one's to be excluded. Um, The poor, even the foreigners that are are around, make sure they come in, the, the vulnerable fatherless and widows, so they might all praise God for his wonderful deeds and enjoy join in on this celebration look down in verse uh, 10 uh, this this celebration the festival of weeks then celebrate this festival of weeks to the lord your god by giving a free will offering in proportion to the blessing the lord your god has given you and rejoice now it's fascinating that, that idea of free will offering it's just wonderful isn't it there right in the middle of the old testament uh they're under law but god's trying to work on their hearts Realize what God has done for you, enormous blessing. Now give freely from what He has given to you, a free will offering. In other words, God has been so good to me, I want to show generosity. I want to be like God and show generosity to the community. Well, how does this, how does this all apply to us? Uh, we're not Old Testament Israel, and Jesus has made a difference. And how, what difference has Jesus made? I want to say Jesus has made a massive difference to all of this. Uh, now, God wants us to be this joyful gathering and community. But it's more than just festivals. It's more than just offering the occasional sacrifice each year. Have a look at this verse in Romans chapter 12. It talks about it being all of our, our life. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So it's like the Old Testament sacrifices and and joyful celebrations are a picture of the reality that comes to fruition in Jesus. Now your whole life is to be given to God. Rejoice in Him, give yourself to Him with all that you have. That is your spiritual act of worship. It's also the way we think about uh, singing and and praising God and speaking of Him. So have a look at Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, uh, the fruit of lips that openly confess His name. But also will involve a really, really strong commitment to gathering as His people. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 10. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
I started by asking you what, what kind of community do we want to see SALT be in 10 years' time. Hopefully you'll see it's the kind of community we want it, want it to be now. A community that gives, a community that has compassion, a community of joyful gathering. But I also asked you, are you willing to be the sort of community that God wants you to be? That's a different question, isn't it? Um, there's a whole lot of implications that flow from that. And I want to say there's two aspects to this um, as we finish up. There's thinking about your heart, where your heart's at, and then there's you thinking and counting the cost of what it means to be part of a community. Does it make sense? So the heart, but then what are you actually practically going to do? What will it cost you? What will be some of the habits and disciplines you'll need to have? Now, before I go into those, um, here's what they're saying about Gen Z. So if you're aged between, sorry, if you're born between 95 and 2012, I'm about to offend you. Um, Here's what researchers are saying about you, and that's not all of us, but it's a lot of you. Um, You're the generation that loves community, but doesn't want to put effort into making it happen. Is that too harsh? Um, Is that true? Uh, Maybe it is true of Gen Z, but you know, when I said that at 10am this morning, I reckon a lot of people who are a lot older than Gen Z said, actually, that's true of me. And I can relate to some of that. Um, And it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, that we're told the answers are within us, and so we don't need to worry too much about others. Uh, It's about me. Uh, we've got everything in our fingertips. At a touch of a screen, we can get what we want, but we can't get community that way. That's not God's way for community. And so how do we think about it? I reckon we think about it in two ways, the heart and the practicalities. Um, So let me think about the practicalities with you, and you'll need to work out what this means for you. But there is just a cost to community, isn't there? It? It you will need to invest in it, it will cost you and it will be rewarding, but you will need to invest. If we all stand back and say, I would love community to happen at SALT, but don't do anything, what kind of community do you think we'll have? We'll have a whole group of people who go, I love community, but I don't want to give myself to it. And so you just got to think, it's going to take my time, it's going to take my energy, resources, uh, it's going to cost me financially, I'm going to need to reevaluate some of my priorities. I'm actually going to be, have to be at some places with people gathered at certain times. I'm actually going to have to invest in people. It will cost you. But when people do that, that creates community. So that's the practical edge of it. But then there's the heart issue, isn't there? And actually the heart issue is so much more important. If you get the heart right, then you don't even think about that as a sacrifice. You go, that's exactly what I want to do. I'd love to be part of that. How can I do that more? And so what's the heart? Well, the heart we've seen tonight is, isn't God incredibly gracious? Isn't God incredibly generous? How good is it to be part of his people? How good is it to be the recipient of the generosity he's given? I love these people. I love the fact that Jesus has died 
not just for me, but for my brothers and sisters. And I so love this community. I so want to be part of it. I so want to invest in it. Uh, I so love God's good purposes. I so love that it's through his church that he's reaching the world. I want to be part of that. That's the heart, isn't it? That brings you to make deep sacrifices for community. I'm going to pray now as we think into this further and as we ask God to help us with our hearts. So let's do that before we sing. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your heart, uh, generous and good, that loves community, that has made us for community. But Lord, thank you so much that you have brought us into a very special community, your people, your family, that you've always been a God who saves, who loves to give generously to his people. You did that for ancient Israel and you've done that for us in Christ. Uh, Lord, help us to think through what that means for us as we give ourselves, as we sacrifice, as we prioritise, as we be people of generosity and compassion, uh, people who love to gather together to rejoice in your goodness. Uh, Lord, please work in our, in our hearts uh, that may, we might be people that genuinely love you and love your people. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.